Gidon didn't know, and I didn't know that the actual scripture verses Gidon was reading are the scripture verses I'm going to use today in my message. I want us to go back to Ephesians chapter 4 and seeing as we've already read most of this, I just want to read part of one of the scriptures. Oh, sorry, Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to read verse 19. Ephesians 3:19. Amen. To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you that your word is a light to our feet. Father, I pray for each heart would be open this morning. to hear what the Spirit is saying to the congregation. Help us to concentrate right now that all of our thoughts would not have any power over us. In the name of Yeshua, we pray. Amen. This morning, I want to speak to you about the fullness of God. How many of you really want the fullness of God in your life? Amen. Thank God that we want this. Uh, for about 18 years now, Danny has been a believer. And he's seen many wonderful things during these 18 years. Things that God has done in him and through him in his life. But at this point in my life, I say, wow, there is so much more that I have not even experienced. And I believe that God has so much more for each one of us that we still have not experienced yet. I know that there was times in my life when I went to the gas station and we used to say, fill me up only for 20 shekels, please. And if we were in good times, we said, fill me up with 50 shekels worth. And I remember the, the fuel tank, the, the level. Sometimes you would see that little red light blinking that says you need gas. And then we would say, fill it up for 20 shekels. But there were times when I came to the gas station and I would say to him, fill it up. However much goes in, fill it up. That was a good feeling. And I felt that many times as I come before the Lord, sometimes we come to the Lord and we say, Lord, fill me up for like 20 shekels worth. And sometimes we live with our life where that level uh, of the gas tank is just right barely above the empty mark. Sometimes even the red light is blinking. So I want you to think about this whole building here, this whole room, as a gas station, the gas station of Carmel. And, and God wants to fill you up. But he says to you, how much? How much do you really want? Full or 20 shekels worth? I pray that each one of you want full because he's ready to give. This scripture verse always challenges me. This scripture verse says, Lord, I want to make place for more of your things. What other things need to change in my life? Other things that need to be taken out of my life. He wants to fill us up with his fullness. And in this scripture verse, we see the connection with the love of God. 
the moment that you see the love of God in your life, that you see that there's so much more that he wants to give you. In our walk with the Lord, he shows us things. Like Danny shared, he's 18 years in the Lord, and God still reveals to him things that he wants Danny to see. And he knows people that have been walking with the Lord 30 years, and God still is showing them new things. He shows us and reveals to us things about our own character, our behavior, our relationship with others. And he shows us these things, not just so we can say, wow, this is not good with me. He shows us these things because he wants to change us. Do you know what your calling is? Your calling is to be like Messiah. That's our calling. This is the highest calling, to be like Messiah. The closer you come to the Lord, you start to really see yourself. Sometimes he reveals things to you that you didn't even know existed in you. Abihai read the Haftarah portion from Isaiah chapter 6. Here Isaiah is in the presence of God. And he hears the seraphim and they're saying, holy, holy, holy. And then all of a sudden he receives a personal revelation. He says, my mouth is unclean. And I dwell in the midst of an unclean people. In the presence of God, you see who you are. You see things that God wants to change in you. This is the grace of God. Romans chapter 2, verse 4. Let's turn there. Romans 2, 4. Danny would like for us to learn the scripture verse by memory. This is your homework. Don't think that there's no homework with Danny. There's always homework. This is your homework to learn this scripture verse by memory. Verse 4. Do you despise the riches of his goodness, his forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? Many people want God to be good to them. Sometimes our idea of what is good is different than God's idea of good. Some people think, God, be good to me and allow me to win in the lottery. Give me success in my studies. Give me success in my business. These are good things. But the goodness of God, this is like the best thing that he can do for us. That's to reveal the sins, the not good things in our lives, and to bring us to a place of repentance and forgiveness. It is the goodness of God that reveals to you each time things that need to be changed in your life. He does this in order to reveal his love to you. The grace of God is so good. He does his work in us. Let's go to Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7, we're going to read something about the speech that Stephan made. This is actually his speech before he dies. So here he is telling the high priests, um, the Pharisees, he actually tells them the story of creation from Adam and Abraham all the way through to the time of Yeshua. Verse 39, 
says in verse 39, whom our fathers would not obey but rejected, and in their hearts they turned back to Egypt. And who's he speaking about here? He speaks about Moses. They wanted to go back to Egypt in their hearts. 400 years of slavery, sons of slavery. All of their mentality, their mentality was completely as a slave. One day they said, until here, God said up until now and I will take you out. And I'm taking you out and I'm gonna put you in freedom and I'm gonna give you a wonderful future. I have a wonderful promised land for you. And I have a Torah for you, a law for you. But somewhere along the way, they wanted to go back to Egypt. God takes us out of Egypt. This is his job. He will give you the grace. This is the goodness of God. But you need to take Egypt out of yourself. If you are still connected some way or another with Egypt, you will never come to the promises of God. If you still hold on to the things of the world, you will never really come into the fullness of Messiah. And we know that in these times that we're living, we really need the fullness of Messiah in us. First John chapter two. First John chapter two. John knew what it was like to be really connected with the world, with Egypt. First John chapter two. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And again, I stress to you that the fullness of Christ is connection with the love of Christ. Your heart cannot be divided. If you love the world and the things in the world, the, the fullness of Christ cannot be in you. If you want to serve God, if you want to walk after him, then the commandment of the Shema or the hear, O Israel, and that you love the Lord your God with only 50% of your heart? No. Is that what's written? It's written with all of your heart, with all of your strength, with all of your soul. He wants everything. And when you have the love of Christ in you and you give, he wants to fill you with his fullness. He wants to give you everything he has. But he's requesting this love. There are three things that can keep us from having the fullness of Christ's love. And we're going to read them in verse 16. That's 1 John 2, 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. Three things. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, 
and the pride of life. Here I see that John has really received a revelation of these three things that could keep us from the fullness of Christ. What exactly is lust? Deep desire, a want, a strong desire that keeps on going on and on to get something that we want. And from this word in Hebrew, the lust, you also get the Hebrew word for beteavon, which means like good appetite. But here, this is much stronger. Sometimes when I'm walking and maybe somebody is doing a barbecue grill, all of a sudden you start sniffing and smelling. And you go, oh, what a good smell. I'm really sorry for those of you that are vegetarians among us. But for Danny, the, the smell of meat cooking on the fire makes him really hungry. Lust, I just, Danny wants to stress that lust is not found just in men, it's also found in women. This morning, Danny spoke to his wife, Luann. <laughs> he said to Luann, I know what the lusts are for the men. But it's a little difficult for me to know what are the lusts for the women. And Luann told him a few things. And I knew that if I say some of those things here today that I would maybe get into trouble. And Danny will be sensitive as much as he can. James, James chapter 1. James chapter 1. We're going to read verses 13 to 15. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. Let's learn one thing right here. God does not tempt us with evil. He does not bring us to an area of temptation with evil. Maybe sometimes he will test your faithfulness to, to him like he did with Abraham. Take your son Isaac and sacrifice him as a sacrifice to me. But God will never ask you to be tempted for evil. Verse 14. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Man is tempted by his desires. It doesn't matter how many years you are in the faith. It doesn't matter how old you are. Nobody is exempt from this. 
few months ago, Danny read a book about a very well-known person in the believing world. And in the middle of reading this book, it came known to him that this man fell into lust and sin and is no longer walking with the Lord. And my prayer for him is that God will restore to him and bring him back to repentance. But none of us is exempt from these things. But even more so, this is why we need to be connected with Messiah. We need to be walking in the Spirit. He will guard over us. Then, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. So here, Danny sees that it's like phases of a pregnancy. It's something that starts, something that starts inside. It's not normal that all of a sudden, one morning, a man would get up and just do something. The lust and the problem starts from inside, like a conception, like a pregnancy. Then it is born. And once it's born, it already brings forth death. Lust of the flesh, that's the first one. And there are some restaurants that, I'm going to try and understand this, there are some restaurants that have like a, <laughs> obviously, yeah, obviously, Volvo's having troubles with this as well. <laughs> okay, there's some restaurants that have some, oh, there are some restaurants that have these like special nights that you can just eat all the meat you want. Okay, and they bring you like 12 different kinds of meat. And you could eat as much meat as you want. There is no limit to the amount of meat you could eat. And after Danny ate so much, he just felt ugh, horrible. <laughs> and Danny made a decision that same night that he was not going back to that restaurant. Because it was like really eating for the lust of just having so much food there and meat there. Eating is good for you. But when you start eating just to be eating because it's lusting and you want it, it was also something spiritual for Danny. However much more I could get, give, 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 I want. <laughs> and he says to Vova to make the same hand motions. <laughs> you know that God said to the children of Israel, I will give you manna each day. But on Friday, I will give you more on Friday so that you will have plenty for Shabbat because I do not want you to go out and get on Shabbat. And on Friday, it comes around. And we say, oh, we don't know if tomorrow God is really going to give. And so they, they take and they take and they take and they pick up manna. <laughs> Danny was in a club hotel in Eilat. People come into the restaurant 
and they fill up their plates with cakes and goodies and things that would be enough for 20 people and in the end they eat one piece and so we, we say that you have a eyes bigger than your stomach and this is exactly what lust does it's to want something and sometimes you, you don't need it it's even bigger than what you need and after this it brings forth sin and sin brings forth death Romans chapter 8 Romans chapter 8 reading from verse 5 Romans 8 verse 5 for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh but those who live according to the spirit the things of the spirit The things of the, of the spirit are life, and the things of the, of the flesh are death. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Verse 7, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, it is not subject to the law of God, nor can it be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. The flesh and the spirit are always at war. And what is the war with them? It's you and I. And this, the flesh really wants to control us in our thoughts, in our lifestyles, every area of our life. And in the same experience, then, the spirit wants to control us. And the way that you can control the, the flesh Listen, this is very, 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 very deep. The way that you can control the flesh is to walk in the spirit. Wow, what a revelation. How do you win over the flesh? You fill up with the spirit of God, and you walk in the fullness of God. And how do I fill up in the fullness in the spirit of God? I ask. I say, God, fill me. And some of you have really experienced the fullness and the filling of a Holy Spirit. This is something that happened many years ago. Danny says, I don't know about each of you, but I know that each day I need to be filled with the Spirit. To be filled with the Spirit is not something that you need to have just once. It's something that needs to happen daily. Father, fill me. And then you win over the flesh and it has no control over you. 
Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. Sorry, he says it's Galatians chapter 5. He's just checking to make sure that you're really paying attention. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the, the lust of the flesh. And this is also a scripture verse you need to know by memory. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Verse 18, if you're led by the spirit, you are not under the law. And let's read quickly through the works of the flesh. Verses 19. The works of the flesh are evident, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and all these things that are like. And then I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in the times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 24, look at another way that we can have victory over the flesh. And those who are Christ's, they have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. It is the life of the cross. It is to die to the things of this world. This is a choice that we make. We say, I will not walk anymore according to this way. I will not do these things. We need to die to these things. But if I still hold on to them, if I still love them, even if it's just a tiny bit, just by loving them a little bit is like an open door to Satan to come in to our souls. We need to die. In Genesis chapter 3, we're not going to turn there. Adam and Eve are in the Garden of Eden. God says to them, all of the garden is for you. Everything. But there's one tree that I don't want you to touch. Everything is yours. But one tree, don't touch. 
And of course, you know what the nature is like of a person. It's to actually do what is forbidden. Before the Torah, the law was given. People acted according to the conscience that God gave them. But the moment that God put in laws to love one another, Avihai read from the Ten Commandments, what happens? So then, for sure, I'm going to do this. I've just got to try, because otherwise, why is it forbidden? The wanting that's inside the, the person that says, I just got to know why, I, why it's like this. We see that it's the flesh of the eyes, the lust of the flesh of the eyes. I believe that when Eve woke up every morning, she went walking through the garden, and there's the tree. Oh, it looks good. No, 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 it's forbidden to me. And another morning she wakes up. Oh, there's the tree. Oh, it looks good. Ooh, I wonder what will happen. And God has showed Danny something special about this. And when the lust of the flesh is in you to do something against God, think who is also in that space. Who also is, is in that area in order to allow you to give in to this temptation? The snake. He's there. Sometimes you have this lust. You're just dreaming about it. You think, in reality, this will never happen. <laughs> but Satan says, don't worry, I'll take care of things for you. I'll put everything into order. I'll make a way for you. And this is exactly what Satan did with Eve. Let's go to 1 Kings. First Kings 21. There was a king in Israel by the name of Ahab. And it, scripture says this, he has done the worst in the eyes of God, including all the other kings before him. He was the worst. And it seems to us one day that Ahav, he had like a kingdom palace that was just for the winter. And all of a sudden, he sees a vine, a vineyard. And it says, wow, this looks so nice, this vineyard. I want to buy this vineyard. So he comes, so he comes to Naboth, who is the owner of the vineyard. And he says to Naboth, I want to buy your vineyard. 
and he says, I'll give you better land than what you already have. And in verse 3, Naboth says to him, 1 Kings 21, Naboth said to Ahab, the Lord forbid that I should give the inheritance of my fathers to you. And Naboth says to him, I cannot give you the inheritance of my father. It's something that's been passed down from father to father. It's something that needs to stay in our family. And Ahab, when he heard these things, he did things that many men have done. He came home. Oh, I don't want this. He was very, you know, upset. I don't want to eat. Pouting, yep. <laughs> and his, his wife, Jezebel. <laughs> She says, what's wrong with you? Naboth doesn't want to let me buy his, his vineyard. Ahab had the lust for that vineyard. But when he couldn't get it, who was there to help him? Jezebel. She was an idol worshiper. And she says, don't worry, I'm going to organize and get that vineyard for you. And you can read the rest of the story. There's lies. And they say that Naboth cursed the king and cursed God. They brought him out to be killed. And then after that, she says to Ahab, go and take the vineyard. Lust. Lust can bring you to areas that you never thought you would even find yourself in those areas. It's like a small snowball. It starts small. But at the bottom of the hill, after it's rolled, it gets bigger and it becomes a mountain. And I think of David, King David. That one day he was just out walking around on his roof and he saw Bathsheba. And he wanted her and he knew that the lust of what he wanted her. And it ended up being that the lust brought him to the point that he laid with her, she became pregnant. And then, oh no, what do I do? He murders her husband. And then it's like everything is okay. I think if King David knew that all these things were going to happen, I don't think he would have actually allowed this to start in this thinking pattern. But the moment that you give in and surrender to your lust, the moment you give in to your lust, it can bring you to a point of destruction. And there are so many other stories that happen in the world. 
people that God has done such great, marvelous, powerful things in their life. And the moment they allow themselves to give into that lust, they have ruined their life and the lives of many people around them. We need to want that God's fullness will be in us, that the Holy Spirit would fill up every part of our lives, that the lust of the flesh would not be part of us. It speaks about the lust of the eyes as well. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. The lust of the eyes. Matthew chapter 6, verses 22 and 23. The lamp of the body is in the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Our eyes, they are the light that reflects every part of our life. You know, our eyes are one of the things that is connected to our thoughts. We can look at something. Nobody knows what we're looking at or what we want through our eyes. But the moment that I want something that is not mine, something that is forbidden to me to want, I would say, that I'm going to tell you something that I've heard from other women say, not my wife, but other women say, that some women want their husband to be like another person's husband. look at the other person's husband and they say, wow, if I only had a husband like this. And maybe a husband that looks at another wife and says, another person's wife and says, wow, if I only had a wife like this. And the moment that you start looking around you, the lust starts to come in. I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, that people have divorced because of these things, because they weren't satisfied with what God gave them. Amen. And they did not have the hope that God can change the husband or the wife. Don't start to love other things and lust after other things like King David until Nathan the prophet came and really revealed it to him. We have so many, we have so many sheep, but of all things, he wanted that one sheep from that other person and he took it. Let's not be of those types of people. 
He wants that our eyes will be concentrated and only looking at him. That the light of Messiah will really shine out through every part of our life. That there will be no darkness. The pride of life is the third thing. Let's go to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. The pride of life. We'll read from verse 17. Now as he was going out, this is Yeshua, one people came to him running and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, Rabbi, what should I do that I may inherit eternal life? Okay, now think for yourself this type of scene. Yeshua is out walking on his way. And all of a sudden, out of the crowd in the group, one man comes running to him. And he comes to Yeshua very dramatically. And he's on his knees. And he says, Yeshua, what do I... What do I do so that I may have an inherit eternal life? And Yeshua says to him, He says, Why do you call me good? There is no one good but one, and that is God. Verse 19 You know the commandments don't commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your mother and your father. So Jesus says to him, Yeshua says to him, so you really need to really guard and do the Ten Commandments. And after Yeshua gives him these Ten Commandments, he looks at him and he says to him, he looked at him in love, verse 23, sorry, 21. Yeshua looked at him and loved him. He says in the verse before that, all of these things I have done. Aha, I've done all of those things. Everything you've said, I've done. I've honored my mother and my father. I didn't steal. I didn't lie. I didn't murder anybody. I'm a good guy. And Yeshua looks at him in love because he sees straight into his heart. And he says, one thing you lack. Just one thing. Just one thing. And this is definitely comes from the first covenant, the first commandment, that you would have no other gods before me. And he says to him, go, sell everything that you have. Give everything to the poor and come follow me. Amen. And that man was really wealthy. And that man received honor because of all of his wealth. He didn't steal or cheat. 
But God saw something in his heart that still holds him and controls him. And that one thing, that one thing that held on to him, that one thing that kept him from filling and having the fullness of God in his life. We don't know the name of this man. But I believe in my heart that he could have been the 13th disciple of Yeshua. Because Yeshua said to him, come, follow me. Amen. Verse 22. But he was sad at his word, and he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. What a moment he came in such joy and want. And then when he left, he came with his face down because he was not ready to give up. Brothers and sisters, if we want the fullness of God in our life, we need to learn to give up everything. My question to you this morning is what is the one thing that is still in your heart that keeps you from having the calling and the fullness of God in your life? He's calling us to give up everything. You cannot. You cannot have a calling and a destiny in Christ if you still hold on to one thing. This man had security in the things that he had in his possessions. Maybe he had a hundred camels, a hundred sheep, maybe several houses, servants. When I compare him to the disciples of Yeshua, when he called John and Simon Peter, who were fishermen, says that they left everything and they followed him. Maybe it wasn't such good wisdom to leave that good fishing business behind. It was hard work. And not always do you really get a lot of money from that. Maybe it was easier for them to leave it. But either way, both were really connected to their businesses. And there was some part that he just was not wanting to give up. Let's go to Second Kings. This is the last part, Second Kings. Most of you know most of you know the story of Naaman, the commander of the army of the king of Syria. He had leprosy. This is in Second Kings five. 
And he had in his uh, possession, he had a young girl that was a servant of his, and she knew about the God of Israel. She knew about Elisha. And uh, she was allowed to talk to him and told him that Elisha can heal him. And Elisha says, go to the river, go down in the river, and you'll be healed. He comes back to Elisha. And he says to Elisha, I want to I bless you. I want to give you money. I want to give you gold. And Elisha says to him, no way. I do not want to take anything from you. And so Naaman went back to his country. And there was a young man who was Elisha's servant, and his name was Ahazi. And he saw everything that happened. And something exactly was in his mind. Verse 21, sorry, verse 20 of chapter 5. 2 Kings 5, chapter 20. Wow. But Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said, Look, my master has spared Naaman the Syrian while not receiving from his hands what he brought. But as the Lord lives, I will run after him and take something from him. <laughs> so it would seem that probably Gehazi was talking to himself and saying, What? What kind of thing is this? I mean, Elisha didn't take anything from him. He brought all of this stuff for him. I mean, he could have given us something. He could have taken something. So Gehazi starts this program of thinking. And so he says, when he gets to Naaman, he says, my, past, my master has sent me, indeed, just now two young men of the sons of the prophets have come, and we want you to give them something. So he's not really speaking about himself, but he says, you know, give them something, and Naaman gives them money, silver, and he gives them two changes of garments, and he takes it, and he hides these things in his house, and he comes to Elisha. And maybe he's coming into Elisha's house like this, just whistling, like nothing happened, no big deal. In verse 25. So he went in and he stood before his master. Elisha said to him, where did you go, Gehazi? And he said, so he says, Gehazi, where have you been? You know, here and there, I've been around, walking, looking. <laughs> then he said to him, did not my heart go with you when the man turned back from his chariot to meet you? 
Is it time to receive money and to receive clothing, olive groves, vineyards, sheep, oxen, male and female servants? The servant of Elisha would, we would, one day he would take the place of Elisha. The servant of Elisha would take one day Elisha's place. Just the same way that Elisha took the place of Elijah. But Gehazi's heart was in another place. Those of you that know the story, we won't go into it all. But one day there was a Shunammite woman that her son died. And he comes to Elisha and she says, you need to come and raise him up. And he sent Gehazi. And he says to Gehazi, you do it, you can do it, you can raise him up. And Gehazi tries and he does not succeed. And afterwards the sons of the prophets were hungry. And he should have been fixing the food. He made soup with some sort of um, leafy vegetable that had bitterness and, and poison in it. And everybody is getting down on Gehazi. Think about this for a moment. So I tried to raise somebody from the dead and it didn't work. And I'm trying to make soup and food and it's not working. And he starts to think maybe to himself, maybe my calling is not really to be a, a prophet. And all of a sudden he starts to think in his mind, going to plan B. I'll get me some money. This is my opportunity now. I'll have vineyards. I'll have servants. I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, there is no plan B. We are all called to be like Messiah. But if you choose to go with plan B, verse 27, therefore the leprosy of Naaman shall cling to you and to your descendants forever. And he went out from his presence, leprous, as white as snow. When you're outside the calling of God, you will suffer. And your family will suffer. There is no plan B with Christ. Sometimes we do fail at things. Maybe we didn't succeed at doing something. But God is here to restore us and raise us up from the beginning, from new, to try again. Because then we can fulfill our destiny in Him. Don't allow your, your disappointments and your failures to, to take that place of your plan. He calls us to be full of Messiah. 
He has a calling for each one of us. Let's not surrender to our desires of the flesh and our lust. Going to Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon. Short verse, but very strong. Verse 10 in English, Song of Solomon 7.10. I am my beloved's, and his desire is towards me. I pray that the Lord will give us desire only for him. He is desiring for us, and he wants that our desire would be towards him. And my prayer this morning is that God will reveal, that he will show the one thing that keeps each one of us from having the fullness of the Spirit of God in each of us. Please stand. Thank you for Yeshua. Thank you for your Holy Spirit, Lord. Holy Spirit is there, ready for each one of us. He's never busy. Father, I pray that none of us would go out from here lacking in what the Holy Spirit wants to give us. Father, allow us to go out from here full. Father, that each day mm, yes, Lord, that each day that we would come, we would know how to come to the well of living water, that we would bring forth living water, water, living water, and, and we would just be full of you, everything that you have for each one of us. Yes, Lord. I believe that the Lord here, as the Lord is here, I believe that during the scriptures and the teaching, he's shown you some things, something that you maybe are still holding on to. But this morning, he says to you, leave it at the altar. Don't take it home with you. Don't be like the man who was rich that he went out sad and depressed because he was not willing to give up. So at the same time that we're worshiping the Lord, if you want to come forward here to the altar of the Lord and put in faith and leave here in faith at the altar of the Lord this one thing, I invite you to come forward. The Lord is here. Amen.